On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, European orders for Model 3 have begun, and back in the United States, the Model 3 is putting up some very impressive sales numbers. Plus, a Tesla you probably wouldn't guess wins a 24-hour EV race and much more. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey with you here for episode 175 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for December 9th, 2018. A very watchful Daisy the Boxer puppy to my left looking out the window, and it's yet another busy week in the world of Tesla. Uh, we've got Elon coming up on 60 Minutes on Sunday night, so that's uh, can't, can't quite delay the show that long. So I will pull clips from that. We'll talk about it on next week's show. Look for that. Maybe in the meantime, you'll decide to just watch that on your own. But if you don't, I will, of course, be here for you to uh, pull the highlights. And we'll talk about that next week. It's an eventful week for me. Uh, it's just busy. It's Q4 in the video game world. So busy at work. We had a lot going on. And then personally, I had a Daisy, you know, I, I think of her when she when she's a puppy, it's like, Everything's fine, and think of her, she's just a bulletproof puppy, but she had a little bit of a, a not a scare, but a little mini, mini situation this week. She, uh, she had something up with her eye, and, it's, and it looked really familiar. Long story short, is I, it looked a lot like the corneal ulcer that Maggie had at one point that required a couple of trips to a specialist to do a, this scraping procedure, not to gross anybody out at the, at the mental image of that, but... Uh, yeah, so I almost brought her to the emergency, like the 24-hour vet, because I think it was like last Sunday night or something, and I thought, well, all right, let me just see how it is in the morning, and, uh, then her eye turned cloudy, which was like this, exactly what happened with the corneal ulcer. Called the specialist, same one I used with Maggie, because they were phenomenal, and they sort of talked me off the ledge. Ended up, by the time we made it into the, the eye specialist, two days later, uh, <laughs> she'd healed up already. She said, yeah, she's a young, she's a puppy. She healed right up. So, uh, just a, 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 bl- a brief heart flutter there, just that, that she might have a, an eye problem to deal with, but it's all better now. So, uh, that was my week. Let's talk about the week in Tesla. The number one story, certainly this week being the beginning of European orders for the Model 3. Well, for left-hand drive... Uh, countries anyway. In fact, the specific countries for now, more will be coming. We've got the Netherlands now, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, and France. Germany coming soon. Tesla saying on Twitter, quote, over the coming weeks, we will be inviting all Model 3 reservation holders in left-hand drive European markets to begin placing their orders. So that first wave of invitations has gone out And in one of them, it was translated on uh, Reddit, I believe it was, Tesla said that they plan to invite everybody, maybe just in that specific country, by December 31st. So if you are in Europe and listening to me, uh, and you're in one of those countries, and you're a reservation holder, you should hopefully be seeing an invitation to design and configure and order your Model 3 here in the next few weeks. Deliveries are scheduled to begin 
in February. Now, remember, that's just begin. You're not necessarily going to get your car right in February. Sooner you get your order in, the better. And then they're obviously, it's just going to be like it is here in the U.S. They'll try to match you up with a car of your configuration. You might luck out and get yours super quick if they've got one handy and near you and done, ready to go. But it could take a little longer if, if they've got to uh, they've got to get one built for you. Well, uh, also by the way, the car is now viewable in a whole lot of showrooms in Europe. I know I've talked about that before, but I know up in the UK you can go see it. Pricing, uh, or actually, sorry, the thing I wanted to talk about next was was that to me, you know, uh, if if you're sort of struck by the fact, because I, I thought about this for a minute, if you're thinking, well, hold on a second. How long could the reservation list possibly be if they're planning to invite everyone in the next few weeks here? You got to remember that where Model 3 production was when the design studio invites started going out for the first non-owners here in the U.S., which happened on February 22nd of this year, think about where production was (laughs) at the Tesla factory on the Model 3 in February of this year versus where production is now. It is an lit- a literal order of magnitude difference. So that's why they're able to take the orders that quickly and, and get the ball rolling. Pricing, if you're curious, if you haven't gotten your invite yet, so you're wondering, well, how much is the car going to be? It varies depending on, you know, each some of those countries I mentioned use different currencies, and I don't want to run through all of them here but uh, in fact, I actually had a hard time tracking down most of them. But because much of Europe does use the euro, I did find multiple Reddit posters who said that the long-range dual-motor Model 3 starts at 59,100 euros. So that's with zero options, no autopilot, no paint, nothing. That is the base dual-motor long-range Model 3 price in euros in those territories there that are that uh, use the euro as their currency. And overall, you know, here here's the thing. This is fantastic news. This is great and I know gosh, so many of you I I I can feel I can just think about how happy you guys are if you got that invitation. You know, you guys in in Europe uh, that are getting to order have been waiting for a long long time. Plenty of you out there continue to wait uh, in other in other territories, other countries, but you know the the uh, it's about a nine point five month difference between that February twenty second when the first non owners, the first sort of real line wait waiting re- Model Three reservation holders got to start ordering. Now it's nine and a half months later that Europeans who also waited in line who are not test previous Tesla owners have the uh, have the same opportunity. I'm honestly a little bit surprised that it's this early. In December, I mean, I'm not sure quite what a difference uh, a week or even two would have made. You know, Elon did say that uh, that orders for Europe should start in December, and they have done just that. They're hitting here on the early side of December. But then again, weeks add up quickly. If you start, well, a week, push it a week, push it a week, push it a week. So, point being, this is just again, this is wonderful to see. February is going to be such an exciting month for so many Tesla fans in Europe. If you are out there, I know I have plenty of European listeners, so I'm really happy for all you guys. Now, uh, you may be curious about 
uh, a referral code. The, the program has been running for a while here in the US. The current perk, if you use a referral code, is to get six months of free unlimited supercharging. There was some confusion on this at first, and you can't just order it with a referral link like you can here in the US. However, I want to thank Hans, who is a listener of the podcast from, uh, actually, he didn't say where, but I believe, based on his correspondence, I believe he's from Norway. But he helped me get to the bottom of this. In fact, I mean, no, I should say, let me clarify that. He got to the bottom of this and was nice enough to pass along the information to me. He sent me a copy of an email exchange he had with uh, an employee and at Tesla Amsterdam. And so here you can use a referral code if you're ordering in Europe. And if you already ordered, that's okay. In fact, you have to order. You Again, you cannot order your car with the referral code baked in. You do need to take this step. So get your six months of free supercharging, whether you use my code or someone else's. But the thing to do is send an email to this email address. It's build my three, the number three. So build my three EMEA at tesla.com. Build my three EMEA at tesla.com with the word referral in the subject line. In the body of your email, include your name, your contact information, and the reservation number, or you might see it as the RN, the reservation number of your order, and then the referral code that you'd like to use. If you do choose to use mine, it is Ryan73014. So uh, again, that's Ryan73014. I'm just so glad whoever's code you use that you're going to be able to get that six months of free unlimited supercharging because that's there's no reason why you you shouldn't get that. If we're getting it over here, you guys are getting your cars. Why not start it with with the the spirit of road tripping built in with that that free supercharging for six months? That is great stuff. So, congratulations to those of you who have been able to order and uh, who or who will be invited here in the next few weeks. Great stuff. I will stay on top of this as it merits as more countries are are invited to configure. Next up this week, uh, speaking of Model 3, let's bring it back out here to California. So it doesn't just seem like there are Teslas everywhere in California. It turns out it's actually true. Cleantechnica.com has a pretty fun statistic this week. 2.95% of California light vehicle sales were Teslas in the first three quarters of the year, but... Uh, in the third quarter, when deliveries skyrocketed, the production ramp had had hit 5K consistent. In the so in the third quarter, Tesla sales accounted for 4.6 percent of California light vehicle sales. And as Clean Technica notes, put another way, that means approximately one out of every 22 automotive automobile sales was a Tesla. And that, so that's actually not Model 3 specific. That's all encompassing for Tesla. And that is cool. So basically, one out of every 22 new cars you saw on the road in California in Q3 was a Tesla. In fact, I'm one of those. I'm one of them. And in fact, this next note is Model 3 specific. And it again comes from Clean Technica. Model 3 is estimated uh, to be the number six top-selling car in the entire United States for the month of November. So that's in t that's all of the U.S., period. 
not the number six selling electric vehicle or the number six selling plug-in or the number six selling sedan or any other qualifiers. The sixth best selling car in the United States in the month of November. Clean Technica estimating that Tesla sold and delivered 18,000 Model 3s in November. That uh, is really neck and neck with the number five car on that list, which is the Hyundai Elantra at, a, at uh, 18,148. So again, since this is just an estimate, the Model 3 could end up at number five on the November chart there. And the top four, if you're curious, are going to sound awfully familiar from when I talked about this, uh, what, from September, I believe, was the last the last time we had statistics on this. And it's the number one, one through four in order, Camry, Accord, Civic, and Corolla. Now, furthermore, as Clean Technica notes, quote, every model above the Model 3, interestingly, saw their sales decline month over month. If you click through the months in their chart on their website there, especially starting in August, you'll notice a gradual decline in the sales of the top four models. So that that is uh, probably related. You know, I, I, I'm, not, and I'm not saying that to take a swipe at those other cars. I don't have any problem with those other cars. But I say it rather to highlight the positive impact, just the, that huge impact that the Model 3 is having. Again, I don't think you can necessarily say that the Model 3 is 100% responsible for the uh, the sliding sales of those cars, but it's absolutely a factor, and it, it might be primarily responsible because the fact is it wasn't one of them that was down that could have been for any number of reasons or even two of them. It was all four of those cars <laughs> ranked above the Model 3 saw a month-over-month decl -month decline in sales, so uh, that's Probably pretty good, a uh, pretty good correlation right there. And the thing about this here, the Model Three Tesla's not even finished ramping up production. You know, as we talked about recently, they're on their way to seven thousand Model Threes per week. So the Model Three is officially a hit, as if there was any doubt. It is a hit. People want it. People love it. It is going fantastically, and uh, the future. The present looks great, and the future looks even brighter. Uh, one more note on this topic. This comes, I found this on the Tesla Motors Club website itself, by uh, as opposed to the forums, by way of InsideEVs.com, so just proper credit to both of them. But uh, the note is, the year-to-date tally of so far for the Model 3 stands at 114,472 vehicles sold. Cumulative sales now stand at 116,296. So that's, you know, that tells you, that, you know, they moved a couple thousand units there the, those last few months of 2017 as, as uh, they were just getting things initially ramped up. But that is, so that, that number, that 2018 year-to-date number for Model 3 is higher than all plug-in vehicles sold in the U.S. in 2015, the highest previous volume of sales ever for an electric car in a single year wasn't 2015 or 2016 or even 2017. It was 2014 when Nissan Leaf sales hit 30,200. So the Model 3 obliterated that record, and there's still one big Model 3 month left for the year. So good stuff from inside EVs right there. And, and really, 
all I have to say about this is, again, you guys know I really like to try and take that 10,000-foot view, just pull the camera back, look at the bigger picture, and, and quite honestly, I don't think it's hyperbole for me to say this. I mean, this is how real change, real disruption begins. So I would, I would say to you guys, make a mental note of these statistics. Bookmark this episode. Come back to it in a year, and then two years, and then maybe five years. And I will bet that we are going to look back on these statistics with a, with a knowing smile. All of us, all of you guys out there, will, will remember, like, yep, that's when, we, uh, that's when we knew. That's when we saw it really start to happen. That was the beginning of this transformational disruption that started to, to hit. So just great news all around for Tesla in general and specifically the Model 3 here uh, in the, the second half of 2018 so far. We got, again, as, as Inside EVs notes, one more month to go. The month of December should be a big one for Tesla. The next story this week is a really fun one, and I want to thank Greg for sending this in. And another hat tip to the Tesla Motors Club forum user, Warden underscore Clife. I'm not quite sure if that's, or if it's supposed to be just Cliff, C-L-Y-F-F-E. So the Roadster Classic, so it was a 2010 Roadster, 2010 Tesla Roadster, won the 24-hour Eco GP race that was held in Germany. Uh, oh, sorry, it was, yeah, a, 20, a 2010 Roadster 2.5. I did have that correct. So this event, it's a 24-hour race. It was held at Motorsport Arena uh, Oschersleben in Germany. The goal was to run as many laps as you possibly could in a span of 24 consecutive hours. So you had, you had a day to just do as many laps as possible. And what they did to try and uh, really level the playing field, they, uh, they gave everybody access to the same type of charger. So no, no advantages in charging infrastructure. Everybody had a three-phase 32-amp charger to play with, and you could charge as much as you wanted to. But of course, if you were charging, that means you're not out doing laps on the track. The Roadster won with 495 laps completed, or about 650 miles. So the aforementioned TMC user, Warden, uh, let's go with Cliff, I think he might be the, I believe he's the driver, he or she is the driver of the Roadster. And Warden says, quote, we finished 14 laps ahead of a Hyundai Kona with an overall consumption of about 150 watt hours per mile. And don't forget it was cold, you know, it's five degrees Celsius. It was 60% in the dark and five of the hours were spent in the rain. All Model S competitors didn't have a chance due to their much higher watt-hour per mile consumption. The best Model S was our own, our second team, that finished 10th with an overall consumption of 190 watt-hours per mile, uh, that car being a 2014 standard 85-kilowatt-hour Model S with about 110,000 miles on the odometer. And that car beat out 11 other Model S's and X's that chose to compete in this. So... A big congratulations 
to Warden and to everybody involved. That is just a cool event. That is really cool to see. I love that they put that together and invited anybody with an electric car to come out and, and participate and have fun and see, see what you could do, see if you could uh, top the leaderboards in laps. And, you know, it, it does actually make sense. You know, you kind of think, well, oh, Roadster, you know, we just, we don't think about the Roadster Classic anymore because the battery technology has improved in SX and 3, the uh, charging infrastructure has improved, the onboard charging. But again, all, all of that was was nullified for this. They, you know, they just gave everybody the same, the same charging infrastructure. But, you know, the, the Roadster Classic in a level playing field probably would win. I mean, it does make sense. You know, it's going to get around the track quicker. It's got the performance. It's got nimbler handling than, than the entire rest of the field, than an S, than an X, than a Hyundai Kona or anything else. And... Again, with that charging being equalized for everyone, a bigger battery isn't necessarily quite as much of an advantage. It, it helps, and the Roadster still has a good-sized battery pack in it. Uh, so, yeah, although I guess Warden, he doesn't, he or she doesn't mention if it's if they've got the Roadster 3.0 upgrade. He pro- prob- they probably would have mentioned that, I would suspect. I'm guessing this, is a, a, this was a stock Roadster Classic, not a... Uh, actually, yeah, I guess because... It's called. It's referred to as a 2.5, and the if it's got the the 3.0 battery pack, it's referred to as a 3.0. Anyway, uh, really cool story. I thought I would share this. And again, thank you, Greg, for for sending this in and making me aware of this. What a fun, cool event. Okay, so here's a topic of discussion in the community this week. Does the Model 3, and really by Model 3, we're referring to Autopilot 2.5 equipped cars. Does does Autopilot 2 Plus now actually read speed limit signs like Autopilot 1 does. There was a big discussion on this on Reddit this week, big thread, and it comes about because of some wording found in the Model 3 owner's manual, and this may have been a recent update to the manual. It says, quote, in situations where speed assist is unable to determine a speed limit, for example, speed limit signs and GPS data are not available at the current location, or if speed assist is uncertain that an acquired speed limit is inaccurate, for example, though a speed limit sign was initially detected, uh, notice that's my emphasis there, some time has passed before a subsequent sign has been detected. The touchscreen may not display a speed limit sign and warnings do not take effect. End quote. So, uh, again, big discussion about this, big debate, First of all, I mean, again, to note, this wouldn't be a Model 3 specific thing. It would be an Autopilot 2.0 plus thing that would apply to the newer S's and X's as well. Because, you know, the only camera difference on the Model 3 compared to the S or X that I'm aware of is that cabin facing camera in the interior that's currently not used for anything. Uh, second of all here, I mean, I think we've determined... That it, that it still doesn't read signs the way Autopilot 1 does. If you recall, uh, you know, again, and for now, a caller several shows back had, had effectively tested it one way or another out on a, on a pretty empty road. So uh, what, we, what we do know, at least, is the cameras can certainly see the signs. I mean, you know, they see other cars. They, 
You know, they can see signs, but they're just going to have to be able to see them and interpret them and, and uh, you know, process them as time goes on. And, you know, it's going to be, it will be an important step. It's, it, again, it feels not minor, but it feels somewhat incremental to be like, okay, yeah, it can, the cameras themselves can read the signs actually on the road. But that is an important step for Tesla to inch closer towards full self-driving. I mean, that's going to be vital. You're going to have to see not only the signs, but stop, uh, stop lights and, and all kinds of stuff. Speaking of which, <laughs> you have to see all kinds of stuff like emergency vehicles. Elon's uh, saying on Twitter this week that more improvements to autopilot's neural net are on the way. A Twitter user by the name of Jennifer, who I believe may be a listener of this show because she follows me on Twitter, so I presume there's a good chance there. There's an overlap. Uh, she tweeted Elon saying, somewhat off topic, but uh, I started thinking, could the UI differentiate police or emergency vehicles from other vehicles on the road? Is that possible to achieve? And Elon replied to Jennifer saying, quote, we're adding police car, fire truck, and ambulance to the Tesla neural net in the coming months. Well, for me, I mean, I, I, actually, I have yet to run into a situation where I've encountered a first responder vehicle while I've been on autopilot, but obviously it happens every single day out, out there. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a very common occurrence just because because <laughs> I haven't run into it on autopilot. Plenty of people have. But, you know, I have to say this this bit about about the uh, neural net getting getting the first responder vehicles being added into it as far as uh, the recognition of them. It's it is a once again a small but important step towards full self-driving once Tesla can teach this to the neural net because uh, it's it's again, it's just something that has to happen if you're going to have actual hands-off level four driving. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this as well. I want to note this. While I, I, I very much know that Tesla owners are enthusiastic folks, all of you qualify, as do I. I, I think it's fair to call us all enthusiastic. Uh, I, I definitely do not want to see anybody do any ambulance chasing or anything like that in order to test this out once once it rolls out. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm making a little bit of a joke, but I'm actually also serious. Because, you know, Tesla owners, we like to test things. We tend to be a, a bit of a data-driven people, I think, in general, it's fair to say. But yeah, don't test this by, <laughs> by chasing down an ambulance or anything like that. Um, in fact, that, that sort of almost leads me to wonder if Tesla is even going to publicize it when they do add this to the neural net. People are going to find out eventually, but it's also, it's it's kind of maybe not even really a feature so much as just a, a safety thing. So, I mean, maybe they would add it to the release notes of whatever version number it happens to arrive in, which, I mean, if they do that, I guess that's effectively as good as announcing it. But nevertheless... Yay for continued autopilot progress. It is awesome stuff to hear this week. A couple more things this week before I get to the Ride the Lightning hotline. Porsche out there with some kind words, or at least a nod of respect for Tesla. In a new interview in the, L the uh, LA Times, the Los Angeles Times, 
that was talking about the Porsche Taycan. And I want to thank the LA Times. They had a little pronunciation key. I think I've just been saying Taycan, or uh, but it is Taycan. That is the apparent proper pronunciation. The Porsche Taycan. So Porsche's North American chief executive, a gentleman by the name of Klaus Zelmer, says, quote, if you look at what Tesla has done, if you look at their volume and look at their price level, it's truly astonishing. If you can do that with one brand and a sales network that is not comprised of dealers and a real sales organization, it's even more astonishing, end quote. Now, I point this out. Because, A, I mean, it's nice to hear the industry actually show Tesla some respect in a public way and, and, you know, have some nice things to say. Because, if you remember, I have previously reported on this show about Porsche's uh, prior shade-throwing instances towards Tesla. So it's just nice to see the respect that's being shown here. You know, the, the, the fact of the matter is there is plenty of electric vehicle market to go around. There's no need to go to a war of words with anybody. You know, I, I for one, I mean, I'm extremely happy with my Model 3. Uh, I plan to keep that for a while. I plan to keep the Roadster for the entire rest of my life. But the, the Taycan, I mean, that thing, I want to see what it can do. You know, I, I, I think it looks... It, like, it could be great. I mean, I, I will say, I mean, I don't say this is a dig. It's just a subjective thing. I don't find the production car that they've been showing quite as attractive as the prototype, which had a bit, I would say, bolder of a design. The, the production car, I think it's fair to call it a bit more conservative. Not that, not that a Porsche in general is a conservative design, but more conservative relative to what the prototype looked like. But I'm, you know, I really want to see what one of the premier sports car makers on this planet does with its first full true electric vehicle. You know, again, I've talked about it before, but if the Taycan is great, it is going to bring uh, people who were not previously under the EV tent, it's going to bring them in the tent. You know, it's going to bring them in and then maybe that's going to lead them to maybe they'll get a Tesla Later, you know, uh, be it a Roadster or, or if they need an SUV, they get a Model X. Or maybe their enthusiasm for it and sales for it for Porsche will lead to uh, the, um, the, a Cayenne, a proper Cayenne EV. That's their SUV. Or, or, an, or, you know, I know this is probably maybe a bridge too far for Porsche to think about right now. But maybe one day a 911 EV. You know, I mean, that's... That's what Elon wants to see. That's what he's rooting for. And I think, you know, we all would love to see that. More great electric cars, more great high-performance electric cars. That's just going to bring more people over, get more people to uh, to leave gasoline behind. So good stuff from Porsche with, a, with a, a public nod of respect in Tesla's direction this week. And finally this week, a public service announcement that I feel is too important to wait until the Ride the Lightning hotline, which, yes, yes, is coming right up next. But, you know, just in case there are folks out there who who bail out of this podcast every week after the news part and don't stick around for the Ride the Lightning hotline, I implore you to listen to this one. Uh, this is a public service announcement from uh, Absasai, uh, pardon me, 
Abisai, let me get that correct, uh, from Abisai from Houston, uh, he went to a Tesla policy meeting that Tesla held in the, the state of Texas, and I will let, uh, I will let Abisai take it from here and talk about that. Hello, Ryan. This is Abisai from Houston, Texas. I was invited to a Tesla policy and legislation meeting that was held on the 4th at the Tesla Service Center in North Houston. In that meeting, they are pushing to make changes in Texas state law to allow Tesla to sell their vehicles here in Texas. This effort will kick off in January, and they feel like this full time will have a better chance at succeeding and are encouraging Tesla owners and employees to help accomplish this. They have created a website called TexasForTesla.com, where you can register, and through that website, they will auto-draft a statement for you that you can edit if you so please that will be sent to your area representative. They also are trying to gather a large group of Tesla owners and their Tesla vehicles to meet at the Austin Square on March 6 to help show support to change the bill. Tesla representatives have stated that so far this year, up to September, that they have delivered 5,328 Teslas in Texas. They are also trying to gather a large group of Tesla owners and their Tesla vehicles to meet at Austin Square on March 6 to help show support to change the bill and are preparing to add an additional 23 supercharged stations in the state. Overall, the meeting was very positive, and I'm hoping that we in Texas can get this done this time around. Great show, and keep up the good work. Abisai, thank you so much for this first-hand account of the meeting. So, uh, I don't have much to add other than I would definitely encourage any Texas listeners out there to just give that website a look, texasfortesla.com. Because if enough of a movement can be, can be uh, drummed up, it sure would be wonderful to move another anti-Tesla state off of the anti-list and move it over to the pro-Tesla list and, and just be able to scratch another one off of, the, uh, off of the list there. So thanks so much. I'll be right back with plenty more calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Uh, by the way, one more quick thing. Uh, right before I record it, I want to thank Vincent, a Tesla owner living in Taiwan, along, uh, he credits as well, Twitter user S underscore Padival, who follows me as well. Uh, he, both of them, are, are uh, pointing me towards aerial satellite photographs that appear to show construction already uh, about to get underway at the Shanghai Gigafactory site, Gigafactory 3, uh, the land being cleared, and there is some uh, some stuff happening already on that site. So that is very cool to see. Thank you, Vincent, uh, as well as uh, Mr. Potaval as well. All right, for the Ride the Lightning hotline, as usual, got plenty of great calls from you guys lined up and ready to go. I want to mention real quick, uh, the Patreon-exclusive bonus episode for December is out now. If you are backing me at the uh, appropriate tier for that, just want to say happy holidays and thanks to everybody for for the continued support on Patreon. The topics on that episode, if you're curious, include a unique Gigafactory sighting, nudging your Tesla on autopilot, uh, the width of the 2020 Roadster, Spotify in Teslas, uh, smartphone-driven Tesla games in the car, numerous Tesla tips and suggestions, all kinds of stuff. Uh, that, that episode's got John and San Diego on there, Luis and Sunnyvale. 
Jay from Maryland, Van from Southwest Virginia, Michael from Wyoming, Joe from Seattle, Lou in South Carolina, Gary from Illinois, Mike from North Florida, Lawton from Chicago, Jeff from Dallas, Chris in Dallas, Claudio from Bucharest, and Nathan from Arizona. So thanks to all those uh, folks for helping build that episode that is uh, up there for the Patreon folks. But for now, we've got a bunch more regular calls ready to go for right now. So uh, I encourage you to participate here in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. I love hearing from you. I think it adds a lot to the show. So if you've got a Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic, feel free to call in. Two easy ways to call in. You probably have this memorized by now, but plenty of new listeners all the time. So uh, you can either record your question on your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Uh, please try to keep your question, uh, your call to a minute, minute and a half tops. And you can send that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call and just leave a message. Again, you know, try to keep it to a minute, minute and a half tops. Leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number. You can dial it anytime you want. It's 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted, or you can put them onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Ethan from Rochester, Minnesota is up next, wants to talk about uh, insurance, what he should do. He's a younger younger guy, uh, wants to get a Tesla here as soon as he can. Let's see if we can help Ethan. Hey, Ryan. My name is Ethan from Rochester, Minnesota. I'm a 23-year-old male with not a great but not a terrible driving record. I'm looking at an hour-long commute both ways for my full-time job once I graduate and thus had a quick question for you slash the Ride the Lightning listening community about insurance. I would absolutely love to get either a new Model 3 or a used S. However, I was wondering what are the best options for insuring a Tesla as I know they're expensive to insure despite being the safest cars on the road. I've done a little bit of research on the forums but haven't found anything that has stuck out. Please let me know. I certainly appreciate all your work with this podcast. Thanks so much and happy holidays. Ethan, welcome to the podcast and thank you for the call. You know, this is one of those evergreen topics that, that just pops up from time to time, but I, it's one of those I think it's good to revisit it every so often. That said, I wish I could be more help to you on this, but I'm afraid you're probably just going to have to grind this one out the old-fashioned way, meaning go on various insurance company websites, call local agents from different companies, etc. Um, you know, it's... The thing is, insurance varies wildly, not only from person to person, meaning from me to you, to your mom, to your cousin, to your coworker, et cetera, but also, you know, it, it's because it's, it's gender, it's age, it's driving history, it's the vehicle itself, it's other policies you might have with that insurance company, like meaning a, an umbrella discount. And yes, uh, your location, where you live, matters as well with insurance. So there's just simply no way to give you or anyone else uh, on this podcast a good estimate or a good recommendation because, you know, farmers here might be great for me, but it, for you and your history and your location and your the agent, you know, it might just not be a great deal for you relative to other stuff out there. So... 
Um, I think you, you kind of just got to pound the pavement on this one and get out there and see, you know, talk to some people, get some quotes, get on some websites and, and see what you can find. But the good news is that those efforts will be worth it because you'll have done all the legwork and you'll know that you're going to get the best coverage at the best possible rate for you. So good luck, Ethan. Next up, we've got Guy from Montreal. Wants to, uh, you know, I talked, I think it was last week about the fact that, or well, my opinion that we would need the charger snake, the automatic charger snake, the creepy charger snake, as it's sort of unofficially known, in order to enable completely autonomous coast-to-coast driving. Well, uh, Guy has some other thoughts about that and how else it might be done. Guy, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Guy calling from Montreal, Canada. I had an idea regarding the uh, cross-country summon feature that uh, Elon mentioned, and you brought up the crazy Terminator snake charging robot that they had designed. I think we can get around this fairly easily just by leaning on to the Tesla community a little bit. What I'm thinking is you have the, the car that's being summoned parks into a spot waiting to be charged, and any new car arriving to that charging station uh, gets a mem- uh, a message pop-up saying, car charged, hi, I'm car charged in 2A, my name is Cherry Red, uh, please plug me in, my owner is waiting for me at home. Uh, and then the, 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 the human in his car would be like, oh, okay, well, just, just need to walk over and charge it like you would charge any car. Uh, and once it's done charging, it would send a message to any other people that hit, uh, it thinks it's around and saying, please unplug me, I need to get on the road again. And I think that would be a, a really uh, great way to do it. And if you want to, you know, motivate people to do it even more, then you can uh, offer some sort of Easter egg uh, to the human who who helped out the robot car. Uh, once he gets back to his own Tesla, he gets a, a little little message from Elon or, or something cute like that. Uh, you could even have the car that needs to be plugged in, you know, have the the, the headlights dimming in a in a cute sad way, or uh, even something coming over the speaker like "I'm the car who needs charging" or I don't know. Anyway, I think uh, you can sort of uh, go around all that huge investment that would be necessary to have robots charging the cars that way. Thanks for the show. Uh, Very helpful. And uh, I'll be listening in uh, every week now. Thanks. Let me start by saying I really like the sad headlights idea. That, that gave me a good chuckle as I listened to your call. And that's totally the kind of thing that Elon and the Tesla team would do. But I, I actually, I honestly don't think this would work. Let me tell you why. It's because I think it just leaves way too high of a risk of that car getting stuck at that supercharger for a while because you effectively need two humans to volunteer in this scenario since odds are the first person will probably be gone before the autonomous Tesla is finished charging because they've already been charging when the autonomous Tesla arrives. And then you got to think too, if the weather is bad or it's late at night or someone's trying to get their little kids through a road trip and they're just too tied up, you know, having to manage their kids, or maybe they're just not a nice person though. You know, the Tesla community in general is mostly full of great people, but every every basket has some bad apples in it. Or, or you know, the other thing, even if there's just simply no one at the supercharger, if there, what if there's no one there? You know, those are all holes in that idea. I like your thinking. 
your heart is in the right place, but I just can't see that being something that can be relied upon for the time it's going to take for a, let's just call it a mega summon like that. You, you just have too many supercharger stops. The car could get hung up at any one of them. And that uh, getting hung up, again, if, if, that, if that does happen more than once, starts to stack up. Before you know it, your trip is over and your car never even makes it to you. You got to turn around and, and send it home. So uh, there's got to be another. I'm, I'm certainly convinced it doesn't have to just be the Charger Snake. That, that's a solution, but I'm sure it's not the only one here. Dan from Orange County is up next, uh, who is expecting uh, a delivery. Got, a, got a, a new addition to the family coming in the form of a 75D Model X and has a question related to that. Dan, welcome. Hey, Ryan. Dan here from Orange County. I'm calling in. I'm a relatively new listener, and I love the name of the podcast as I'm a huge metal fan. Uh, I recently ordered my Model X 75D, and I'm so excited to take delivery at the end of December, hopefully just in time for the tax credit. Um, my question was, I have a couple questions. Um, the first one is around autopilot. I was wondering if you think that autopilot would ever support detection of motorcycles splitting lanes like they can do in California, and if the car would ever move over to the left-hand side of the lane to make room for that motorcycle. Um, the second question is uh, kind of a fun one. I, I was wondering, I'm not sure if you know or other listeners know of what the technology around the car is for beaconing or like advertising its presence um, and like awareness of other Teslas on the road. I think it'd be cool to like see on the heads up display um, the shadow vehicles, if they are Teslas or not, and maybe even advertise their names that the owners have set to. You know, there's some privacy things there, but hopefully that could get worked out. I think it'd be a fun Easter egg even to like play games like Tetris with how many cars that you could uh, drive up next to and what different shapes you could play. Anyway, totally useless, but uh, it'd be fun. So anyway, thanks for all you do. Love the show. Bye. Hey, Dan, and welcome to the podcast. So let's take your second question first. As far as we know, Teslas cannot detect each other. But theoretically, I would think there's no reason why they technically couldn't. They're all online. They're all GPS tracked. I have to tell you, I love your idea of showing the other car's name, the, you know, the name that's been given to the car. I mean, I would think, you know, it's not really a privacy thing if it's just the car's name, because you can name the car anything you want, kind of like an internet handle. You know, it's, uh, of course, you'd still, if they implemented that feature, they'd still give you a toggle to opt out of it if you want. But, you know, Tesla owners tend to have some really cool names for their cars. So, as I said, it would, it would, it would be like an online video game, where if you and I encountered each other on the road, you know, if I was in the lane next to you, you would see the spirit of adventure on your screen tagged to my car on your display uh, there if you if you happen upon me. So that, that would be cool. Let's hope that happens someday. Now for your first question, you may already know that Autopilot does indeed detect motorcycles. That's a new thing. That's uh, version 9 does that. And I'd have to imagine that lane splitting and, and a, the nudging aside that you suggest do seem like totally doable things. They're not doing it right now, but uh, you know they've, they've got that building block, that first step of the way there with simply recognizing that a motorcycle is a motorcycle. So congratulations on your upcoming delivery. I hope that turns out to be a great day for you. Good weather, the whole nine yards. 
Kenny from Indy is up next. Has a uh, has a bit of a complaint. We'll see if I can help him out. Kenny, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. This is Kenny from Indy. Um, trying to bend your ear once more. I just want to see if maybe you can take a poll, and maybe you've had this problem. The voice controls. That's about 10, 15% of the time. I press that white at right side uh, button to issue a voice control. More likely than not, is to navigate to some destination, and I'll get a visual indicator on the screen that uh, the button has been pressed, and I'm just talking my head off, and it's not hearing a thing. I've, when that happens, I might have to repeat this four, five times each time getting the little indicator on the screen, but the car is not hearing me. So I'm not sure what the key is. And then at some point it will register my voice and uh, do what's supposed to do. I just want to see if you can take a poll or maybe you have some information as to, is this normal or do I need to uh, see Tesla service? Thanks. Keep up the good work. Appreciate your work. Bye. Well, Kenny, I've only got one suggestion here. I'm hoping maybe this is going to help. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're already doing this. But are you waiting for the boop sound? That's the best. It sounds like a boop to me, not a beep. It's more of a boop than a beep, which now this sounds like a Seinfeld bit. Anyway, um, I've noticed that that the icon, the, the microphone, the voice uh, icon, it doesn't always match up with the boop. The The voice icon will, will, you know, sort of look like it's ready for you, but you don't... Sometimes the boop comes later. So it's once you hear the boop, then it's ready to take your command. So give that a try if you're not already, and maybe that will will help things for you. Thanks for calling in. Tim from Little Rock is up next. Uh, like me, he's had some nail issues as well, but he had another very particularly strange tire incident that he wanted to share. So Tim, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is Tim in Little Rock. It's been a little while since I called. I typically like to call in with more experienced type questions um, or comments just to kind of gauge feedback from the audience. And I kind of have a new situation that arose <clears throat> that I'm kind of curious to get feedback on. Um, I took, uh, we, I had a nail in my tire. I've actually had two rear tires on my Model X that have had to be replaced. And I had in my front driver tire, I had a nail. So the PSI was slowly dropping. So I took it in to get it repaired and, Got that done, uh, and some of your people in the audience might be laughing at me, but I asked them to rotate the tires while they were at it. And so when I left, I was feeling a kind of uh, and hearing a grinding noise whenever I would turn. When I was going straight, everything was fine. So I took it back in, and they started looking into it and actually looked at the uh, the, the panel on the door and said, ah, on the Model X, the rear tires actually are 275s, and they're 265s on the front. So they're not the same size. You actually can't rotate the tires. I did not know that. And so as it turns out, they had actually, on the two tires that we had to replace, they had ordered 265. So I've been driving around with four 265. Somehow they got those to fit on the rims for the uh, back of the of the X. So they've gotten uh, new tires on order. We uh, we moved the rims from the front to the to the back, so everything's squared away now. But my question is, first of all, did I cause any long-term damage? Because uh, this has been going on for months that I've been driving around with uh, two tires that are too small. 
Um, and or is it really just more of it pro- provides level of balancing to the back by having slightly larger tires with about half inch difference in the rims? Uh, or does it just impact range? Uh, is that really the only culprit? So I'm just kind of curious if there's anybody in the audience that has feedback on that or if you have any feedback on whether um, where I took it has created some problems for me. Um, or if this isn't really a big deal. But if anything, maybe there are some people listening that didn't know that the Model X actually um, has larger tires in the in the back than they do in the front. So I uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, good to, uh, to reach out to you, and, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Well, that is weird. Tesla is supposed to know this stuff, and uh, you know they're going to be the ones that, that really know whether or not you've caused any long-term damage. But I can, coincidentally enough, relay this bit of experience from my own life. And that is this. Uh, It is impossible these days, and uh, well, especially these days, and and even when I own the DeLorean, it is impossible to get matching front and rear tires for the DeLorean. Same manufacturer, same type of of tire. The, The DeLorean, you know, again, remember it's 1980, mine was an 82, 14 inch in the front, 15 inch in the back, Nobody makes that anymore, uh, let alone the back tires were big old wide tires. I forget what the measurement was, but yeah, so nobody's making that, let alone in a matching set. So some DeLorean owners have cheated a bit and run slightly wider front tires in order to, uh, I think that they were were able to find a matching front and rear set. So um, in fact, when I first bought my DeLorean, it had slightly wider front tires on it. Than, the, than it was technically supposed to have. I think it had 205s instead of, uh, I believe it was supposed to have 195s on the front. Anyway, uh, I, I don't think you've damaged anything, but I would hope that Tesla inspected your rims carefully when they did fix that mistake. Again, they're going to know for sure. I'm just guessing, but I, I'm not super worried for you. Uh, and hopefully, and now, now you know, and they know. So good stuff, Tim. Mike from New Jersey just got his Model 3 and uh, has, a, has a navigate on autopilot, sort of not an issue or a suggestion, but maybe somewhere in between. Mike, go ahead. Hey, my name is uh, Mike from New Jersey. I uh, just got my Model 3 uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, just a question for you, actually, today. I noticed that sometimes when I'm driving with navigate on autopilot, that uh, all of a sudden I'll look over and it'll be gone. Um, the couple times that it's happened, it's been when I have... Um, change something about my driver profile. I actually saw a tip to make an autopilot um, driver profile that kind of lowers the wheel and makes it a little more comfortable for uh, holding on to as your own autopilot. And uh, I think it might have something to do with that, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm wondering maybe if you could help me out and uh, let me know what type of things might disengage and disable navigate on autopilot uh, while using it. All right, love the show and uh, have a good one. Thanks. Well, of course I have to help a fellow Jersey guy out, man. You know, it's funny when I think about it. I, I only actually lived in New Jersey for the first seven years of my life, but that seven years left such an impression on me. Plus, there's also the fact that my entire giant extended family is from there. My mom, my mom's one of seven kids. It was a big Catholic family, so a lot of aunts, a lot of uncles, a lot of cousins. I've still got some family back there. I just, man, I love New Jersey. Uh, I'm hoping to make it back this summer to visit. I didn't make it last year. Anyway, Mike, I'm not sure about Navigate on Autopilot disengaging when you switch or tweak your driver profile. When when I've seen it temporarily disengage is when I, uh, and I'm using air quotes here, miss my exit. 
that it wants me to take uh, because I've chosen to go to the next exit instead for traffic reasons. And then when it does that, it just switches to regular autopilot, just, just turns the nav on autopilot off, and then it'll turn itself back on after it readjusts its route. Um, you know, I wish I could be more helpful to you than that, but maybe give it a try again in that same spot without messing with your profile at all and see what happens. All the best to you, sir. Tony from uh, Ventura, California, a longtime listener, has had a Model 3 reservation for a while and uh, wants to maybe pivot. What are you thinking, Tony? Hey there, this is Tony from uh, Ventura. A long-time listener. I think I left a comment once, you know, some years ago. But uh, my, my comment here is I'm, I'm a long-time Model 3 reservation holder. I've had my reservation since 2016. I think I was in the high 200,000s or so. And I always intended to get the originally intended to get the $35,000 Model 3, so, you know, there's still some time before that comes out. But as things have continued to develop in my life and my career, it becomes clearer that um, the best vehicle for me would actually be the pickup truck or the Model Y. So I'm wondering, and I actually would really appreciate it if you could ask Elon this if and when you have him on, um, if there's a way that I could just roll over my Model 3 reservation into a Model Y or a pickup truck reservation. And, you know, given the fact that by the time the pickup truck or the Model Y comes out in 2020 or 2021, uh, Tesla will have had my $1,000 reservation for, you know, five years or, or more. I wonder if, if there's a way that people like me who just roll over a Model 3 reservation could get some extra perks. Because, you know, it's quite a long time to let that money ride. And, I mean, part of the reason I'm, I'm cool with it and haven't asked for my refund yet or, or, or wouldn't want to ask for a refund is because I really believe in Tesla and what they're doing. But it, it does seem like maybe there should be a little extra Easter egg or something in there for, for people like me. Uh, and, and also I'm wondering if there's anyone else out there like me who would like to just roll over their Model 3 reservation into a pickup or a Model Y. Uh, love the podcast, love the work. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for your call, Tony. I'm not Tesla, but I am very, very confident in saying that you are not going to be able to roll over your reservation into another reservation list. I am very confident that they're going to start fresh, you know, because they, they may choose to operate things completely differently with the Y or even just slightly differently. So, you know, it, it could end up making sense that it, it wouldn't even make sense to roll it over anyway. If they structure it differently, if the, the amount of the, if it's you know a different amount than a thousand dollars, et cetera, et cetera. So my advice to you would be to go ahead and get a refund if you're going to wait. And if you want to put your money into Tesla because you believe in them, as, as we all do on this podcast, you know, maybe you consider buying $1,000 worth of Tesla stock, and then when it's time for the Model Y reservations or, or the pickup, if you, if you wait a bit longer, then maybe your money has been working for both you and Tesla. So uh, quick caveat, want to note, I am not a financial professional in any way, shape, or form, so that my advice isn't advice, it's just my opinion, but uh, just want to make sure to throw that legal caveat out there. 
Best of luck either way, Tony, whatever uh, you decide to do. Darren from Roanoke is up next and has had, a, had an interesting supercharging experience on his road trip. Darren, tell us about it. Hey, Ryan. This is Darren from Roanoke. I wanted to share something weird that's been happening with supercharging my Model 3 recently. I wondered if anybody else has been experiencing the same thing. So at the time that I placed my order, only performance Model 3s were getting uh, unlimited supercharging, and I couldn't quite afford that. So I was okay with no free supercharging. But over Thanksgiving, I took a road trip from Virginia to Florida. The car performed great, uh, We all, and we, we stopped at about eight or nine superchargers throughout the whole trip. But the strange part is I was only charged for one of those supercharger sessions in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, And then when I went to a wedding last weekend in Richmond, I stopped at a supercharger and was only charged half of what I should have been. Um, I don't know what this is about, and obviously I don't want to bother Tesla with it, but uh, maybe others have been lucky as well. Um, anyway, keep up the good work, and I really can't wait for that Elon interview. Hope you have a good day. Thanks. I've actually heard about this from a few other people as well. My best guess is that you might get billed eventually for those, but I, I do confess I don't actually know. I, I would love it if you would drop me an email in, say, a month from now, if you happen to think of it, to let me know if if these charges ever showed up on your credit card statement, because I'm very curious. So let's uh, let's see. Maybe Tesla is is a little lax on the enforcement of of supercharging uh, billing. Who knows? Our last call this week, certainly not least, it comes from Ken in Florida, who uh, had his dash cam not quite live up to expectations in a key situation. Ken, go ahead. Hey Ryan, Ken from Florida. First-time caller, Model 3 owner with a dash cam question. I love my Tesla. After 30 years, accident-free, unfortunately, a truck merged into my left side on the interstate while I was traveling safely in the right lane. The impact caused major damage to the left rear section and immobilized my Tesla. Fortunately, no one was hurt, no doubt due to Tesla's strong safety features. I had this dash cam running and remembered to press the save button immediately after the car stopped. There seemed to be an electrical problem momentarily post-accident as the hazard flashers would not work at first. 40 seconds of the dash cam footage is missing. I emailed Tesla developers about this. In this case, the other driver was ticketed and deemed at fault. But, you know, it sure would have been nice to have the footage. Have you heard of such a problem during accidents where the built-in dash cam loses power and fails to save? Although I'll be without my Tesla for many months, it sure is comforting to hear your positive podcast in the meantime. Thanks, Ryan. Well, Ken, I'm very, very glad that you were not injured. I have to say, I have not heard of this issue before, but then again, the Tesla cam is so relatively new. I mean, what was it, two months ago we got V9, something like that, that you know we're still learning a lot about the Tesla cam, not only its functionality, but, but how it performs in an actual accident. My only advice would have been to do what you've already done which is email the Tesla team about it so that they can learn from your situation and hopefully prevent that from happening to someone else. I will say that I've seen reports of better performance and reliability from the dash cam for people that have the latest software version, which is, uh, I believe, 46.2 as of recording. 
So hopefully, since you called, the, the Tesla cam, the dash cam has already improved. Regardless, though, uh, I hope you're able to get your car back as soon as possible and, and have it be as good as new. As I said, if you want to participate in the Ride the Lightning hotline, I sincerely encourage it. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording voice memo software and record a one to one and a half minute question and email that to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com or you can call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline anytime, day or night by dialing the toll-free number, which is one 989 T-S-L-A. Be right back to talk a little bit about what I've been up to in the spirit of adventure this week, right after this. Well, I guess I should start by updating you on the the, uh, scratch or gouge or whatever the heck it is in the bumper of my car. Uh, I was able to take it over to Jeff at Immaculate Reflections just for him to look at it. He's super busy, so he couldn't actually do any work on the car, but he was very kind to take a few minutes to look at it. And he basically, he told me it's, you know, it's definitely into the film and into the adhesive, but there's a chance that he said he kind of gave me slightly better than, than 50-50 odds that the paint is totally fine underneath. He said it's possible there could be a little bit of paint damage that that paint correction would solve, that he could solve, um, but it's also possible that it's bad enough that it could be a, an actual you know deep cut there, deep scratch, that if I wanted it properly fixed would need to be done at a body shop. But then you're talking about like repainting the whole bumper, blending, and then you're not, you know, your your factory paint's gone and it's, it's, you know, the multi-coat red is, is tough because it's, it's a different, you know, it's a little bit of a, of a different application, you know, than, than the standard colors on the, on the Tesla or, or many other cars. So we'll see. I've just, I've got my fingers crossed because uh, basically I, I won't know for sure until Jeff takes the film off of the bumper, the paint protection film. But he's so he's he's busy, so he won't be able to he wouldn't be able to get to me, or he wouldn't be able to put new film back on and potentially paint correct and, and fix it basically for a while because he because he's booked up. So uh, you know he he gave me the option like could have taken the film off right then and there. He he was willing to give me that uh, little bit of time. But uh, I opted, you know, I got a big road trip coming up to Arizona and just in general, just living and being around San Francisco. I didn't want to be completely naked back there. So I decided to just leave it on with the with the the, gouge in the in what is hopefully just the film there. And we'll see what happens. But if it did save me completely, then that'll have made two times in four months already that the paint protection film has saved my paint. So, uh, fingers crossed for good news. We'll see what happens there. Also, I wanted to note that Lorenzo, who is a P100D Model S owner here in the Bay Area, I ran into him randomly at the Daily City Supercharger. He actually he came over and was like, Ryan? And introduced himself and said, oh, I used your referral code. I got... He, uh, what a super nice guy. Just wanted to say hello to Lorenzo. Because uh, what an what a awesome chance encounter that was. 
and his car is beautiful. He's got a he, he went with red as well on his P100D. Just a, a great guy. Nice to talk to him while we were both juicing up. And again, this is I I love the superchargers. I love them for this. That every supercharger is a potential Tesla meetup. You know, uh, like a club meetup. It's it's great. You know, it's again, it's not always like that. Sometimes people just want to sit in their cars or or keep to themselves or not you know not be bothered. But you know, I've had plenty of just impromptu, cool conversations with people, whether they've <laughs> whether they know who I am from the podcast or not. So I, it's just it's it's a completely unintended, I suppose, or or uh, accidental side effect of the superchargers, but I love it. It's fantastic. So thanks for taking the time to, thanks for saying hello to me, Lorenzo, and taking the time to talk to me. Also, pro tip of the week. This segment uh, is, is, I guess it's popular because I've got, I've got several more pro tips in reserve that I can keep rolling out. But if you've got them, keep them coming. And if, if I said, if I get enough of them, I'll just start playing more than one a week. Try to keep them quick. You know, even quicker than a regular phone call if you can. So this week's Tesla tip of the week comes from Ben in North Carolina. It's a tip about driver profiles. Take it away, Ben. Hey, Ryan, this is Ben from North Carolina. Just wanted to give you a pro tip that I've found. Um, so everyone knows how to set your uh, seat settings for uh, a certain profile. Well, not everyone knows that that profile is 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 more inclusive than just the mirrors, steering wheel, and seat. It actually can remember your driving styles, whether or not you have it on standard or chill on the acceleration, uh, whether or not you have creep set on or off, and it also, from what I've found, adjusts the uh, airflow, the HVAC, to wherever you had saved it in that last uh, profile setting. Um, and I noticed this once I set my wife up in the profile because I had set her up with creep and the chill acceleration and a few other things and realized that all those switched back uh, without me touching anything after I had changed the profile back to myself. Um, so this is, uh, I, I'm hoping they're going to do this for a lot more things like the the radio settings, etc. But, uh, you know, that is one thing that not everyone realizes. So thanks, Ryan. That is very cool. Thank you for that, Ben. Really appreciate it. Okay. Abstractocean.com. If you head on over there, they've got a ton of Tesla accessories, a bunch of cool lighting kits, including colored lights. If you want to swap out your white LED lighting in like the footwells of your car for blue or some other color, you can do that. They got a lot of neat stuff. AbstractOcean.com. Take a look, see what they've got, and use the coupon code RTL Podcast, all one word, RTL Podcast at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Meanwhile, over at Immaculate Reflections, talked about uh, Jeff a few minutes ago helping me out trying to diagnose this this bumper gouge situation but uh, if you'd like him to help you with your uh, car whether it's it's paint correction paint protection film ceramic coating some of the above one of the above all the above etc he'll do what works for you drop him a line go check him out irdetailing.com you can also look him up on Yelp or Instagram at immaculate underscore reflections on those respective websites uh, Luxendary.com 
has some fun Tesla-inspired smartphone cases. If you go to luxendary.com slash RTL, you will automatically get a 15% discount uh, code baked in when you buy anything. So if you're interested there... Uh, let's see, mentioned my referral code earlier in the show, the Jada Wireless Charging Pad, no discount there, I'm afraid, but if you decide you want to buy one, they throw me a couple of bucks if you use this referral link, so if, you, if you'd like to do that, feel free. The website to order through is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight, and Jada spelled J-E-D-A. I want to thank the Patreon producers, the awesome folks supporting me at the producer level. You know, Patreon is sort of the primary means through which I uh, I get support on this podcast to to really, you know, justify the time and energy that goes into it. So if, if it's something that you might want to uh, look into, you can do that at Tesla Podcast. Sorry, no, not that site. That's the hosting site. You can go to patreon.com slash Tesla podcast and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I want to shout out our newest Patreon producer, Daniel Grumman, or it might be Grumman. I think it might be Grumman since it's G-R-U-M-M-A-N. So Daniel, uh, thank you so much. Alongside uh, the rest of the Patreon producer crew, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Luke Miles, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Rick Sinta, Bill Royko, Scott Gillis, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Cookie UK from EV Alliance, Dorian Steve Guberman, the aforementioned Luxendary.com, Stig Mickey Jensen, Ground Level Painting, and Michael Waddle. Thank you all so much. Subscribe to the podcast. That's free for sure. I mean, everything's free. The any 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 money you're paying is always optional <laughs> through Patreon. But uh, subscribe for free so that the show is downloaded to you automatically. You can do that on iTunes, Google Podcasts app. Stitcher, TuneIn, which remember TuneIn is in your Tesla. You can find this podcast in your Tesla. If you go to the media section, go to search and then click the podcasts tab and type in Tesla, you'll see Ride the Lightning pop up. I'm also on Spotify. If you're a Spotify user, check that out. And then YouTube as well, audio, just the audio of the show, same thing as you're hearing right now. The audio is on YouTube as well. If you just search Ride the Lightning Tesla podcast, the channel will pop up. And then there's the hosting site where you can grab individual episodes or pick up the RSS feed as well. You can find that at teslapodcast.libsyn.com. And if you stuck around through all the plugs and everything, I do have one more little treat for you. This was posted to Tesla's social media channels today, Friday as I record. And I, I kid you not, I've probably watched this 50 times already. It's so good. It's so much. It's just fun. Like, it's just fun. The caption is, what zero to 60 in the new Roadster sounds like. And then it's a montage from the reveal night a year ago of a bunch of people being launched uh, to maximum plaid mode in the new Roadster 
so this is this is it's they're being filmed from the seat. So this is this is their audio reaction, which is just as good, really, in this case, as the facial reactions. This is the last 23 seconds of the show, and then I'll just roll right into uh, the the end theme song. So with that, I want to say happy electric motoring. Thank you, everybody for listening for another week, giving me another hour plus of your time. I always sincerely appreciate it. Enjoy this little this little uh, audio of what 0 to 60 in the new Roadster sounds like, and I'll see everybody next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun. <laughs>